how do you grow like a VC-backed company without taking on investors? Do you want to create a lifestyle business, a performance business, or an empire? How do you scale to an exit without losing your freedom? Those are the questions, and this show is the answer. Welcome, everybody, to the Scale Up Show. This is Ryan Staley here with you, your host. I have a very special guest on today. I have David Perry. David is the CEO and co-founder of Atcaro, which is a new e-commerce partnership network used by over 30,000 Shopify brands. And basically, they help you help brands gain attention, sales, and new customers by partnering with other brands in the network. Prior to that, Perry had his previous company, Gekai, acquired by Sony PlayStation to establish leadership in the future of streaming video games from the cloud. And that service is now called, now called PlayStation Now. How cool is that? Uh, on top of it, he founded a company prior, which was named Shiny Entertainment based in Laguna Beach. And Shiny was first acquired by Interplay to capture the rights for Earthworm Jim, then again by Atari to obtain the rights to games based on Warner's Matrix movies. Okay. On top of that, he's been a TED Talk speaker and has won multiple industry awards. David, welcome. Happy to have you on the show, man. Oh, thanks so much for inviting me. Yeah, you got quite a background. And so I'm super excited and was absolutely just enthralled to hear about your current venture and what you're working on and, and where it's going. And, and so why don't, before we get too deep into things, why don't you give everybody your superhero origin story? I know I touched about it in a little bit in the interview, but I think it'd be awesome for folks to hear your, your just kind of how you got to this point and your journey along the way. Yeah, no, I started um, in school in Northern Ireland and um, I, I, the weather in Ireland is terrible. It's a sort of running joke that it, it rained twice this week, once for three days and once for four days. <laughs> um, that's, that's normal. So I spent a lot of time indoors, um, on a computer, the Sinclair ZX81 was my first one, and I, I made games, and, and I thought this was really fun to do, but I ended up getting published in magazines, and I didn't know you got paid for that. So imagine you're a kid, and you're all excited you're in a magazine, and then a check arrives, and you're like, wait, what? It was like $900, but at the time nice. I didn't even have a bank account. And I went, wait, you can make money <laughs> doing this? So you can imagine I was up all night typing, and I ended up making books, and, um, and I got to the point where um, I realized this is my thing. And I, I got offered a job in England. So imagine you're in high school in Ireland. Um, you know, I was actually in Belfast. And I got this offer. Will you, will you leave school and, uh, and start making games professionally? And the answer was, you know, I'm on my way. <laughs> so all my teachers were so upset because they thought it was the dumbest idea ever because the game industry seemed like a fad at the time. Um, but I went to England and I ended up living there and making games and England was great. Um, there were, there's quite a lot of action there, got to make games. The first, um, what I realized is branding matters. And this, I'd say this to any entrepreneur, if there's any way you can put a brand on anything you do, do it because it creates immediate rapport and attention. So I made all these different games, but when I did the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I had a number one hit. And when you have a number one hit, other people want to work with you. And so you wait, start... Wait, wait, hold on. Did you, you created the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game? Uh, the game, yes, in the United Kingdom. Um, I was the programmer on it, which That's at the time... That's so cool. Yeah. I played that game when I was a kid. Okay, sorry. I, I yeah. had a nerd out on that. Go ahead. No, I, I realized every time I did something with a brand, my career just went... Poof. 
And then I would, I'd say, no, 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 I want to do my own stuff, which, you know, I want to, you know, go off and, 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 and come up with some crazy thing. Um, you know, we did one called Crazy Jet Racer. Nobody cared. Um, and then, <laughs> like, nobody cared. And then, and then uh, there's a, there was a comic book in England. Most people here wouldn't, wouldn't know it, but it's called Dan Dare. And Dan Dare was this comic book. So they then said, can we get that, that crazy jet racer game and turn that into Dan Dare? And that's, that's the, I'm like, of course we can. And so this is the point. I came over to the U.S. because I was asked um, to help get a game for McDonald's out the door and we ended up winning game of the year for that and then wow. we, we ended up getting um uh, Aladdin for Disney and again that's a brand boom big hit so this is this is what I've I've really learned and I, I sort of um you know in my career that that all made a lot of sense to me to just keep going down that path but ultimately we ended up one day saying let's just start our own company and let's make our own properties. And the first property we made was called Earthworm Jim. And uh, Earthworm Jim ended up becoming a TV show and a toy line. And you could get Halloween lunch, you know, Halloween masks and lunch boxes and the whole thing. So we ended up learning the licensing out. So it's, it, this licensing in is cool, but licensing out is even cooler. And uh, and so ultimately, then that company got acquired. And then the, I, I met with the the Wachowskis, and they wanted to make the Matrix. And I stupidly turned them down because I was busy on something else. And then I went to see The Matrix and I sat and my wife was like, this is really good. Like, <laughs> well, why, why did you do this? And, uh, and I'm like, I know I'm dying right now. So then, uh, then I went and met with them again uh, for The Matrix Reloaded, which, you know, was peak Matrix. And, uh, and that's, we, we made the video games then. So that was great. But Atari ended up buying the company and that, and that's really been the, the, the process that sort of, for me, um, I realized that whatever we want to do, we can kind of do it. So let's try something new. And that was, uh, cloud gaming. Cloud gaming is thinking about the future. It's, it's, uh, I call it, you know, down the track thinking you, you don't, don't make what people need today, make something they're going to need in the future. And, think as far out as you can go and just start developing in that direction. People will think you're, you're, you know, innovating. It's a bit like, uh, you see that with Elon Musk, he's just innovating constantly because he's thinking forward and just starts working in that direction. And so we did that with cloud gaming. Someday there will be no consoles. There's no need for consoles in the long term. Um, so we got that working and, um, and then Sony came sort of in and just bought the company and built it into the PlayStation. So, um, that left me time to retire. Um, I think I'm done. But then I decided to give it one more whirl. Um, I, I was helping students as, a, as an investor, and I met an entrepreneur who was in the same room helping the same students, and he was interested in influencers. And I had been buying things based upon influencers. They, you know, in photography, they would say this is the best light ever, and I'd go buy it, and I'm like, this is a great light. Um, so. I was in that mode and I'm meeting this guy and I'm like, you know, this is really interesting, this space, and maybe we could do something which, you know, our, our focus was to, to create authentic relationships with influencers. Um, could that be done? So instead of just troubling influencers and treating them like a billboard and trying to get them to do what you want to do, instead finding influencers that actually like your brand and then they already know who you are. There's, it's, there's no pitch required and, uh, and generally they're very happy to work with you. So that became the focus of the company. And we built that company um, and did all kinds of cool uh, research in the space. But then COVID hit 
And we realized that helping people get attention is fantastic because people can never have enough attention. But what they actually want is, is sales. And so sales at the end of the day is, is, is really what this is all about. And so is there any way we could get all of these brands to collaborate? And that's, that's what brings us to today is we found a way to do that to have brands collaborate in a new way. And so our, our tagline is sell more together. And ultimately we want to sort of create this network of brands that are all helping each other. And, um, and, and to some extent sharing traffic, meaning that if, if, if I make a product, I could push my product into other brands traffic because they want it in their store. And that means I'm getting awareness as well. So then you, you you've got a nice combination of sales and awareness. That's, mm -hmm. that's like the most valuable stuff to brands. And so um, that's why we're focused in this area. Okay, so I have like 10 million questions I'm, I'm going to ask you now. So <laughs> yeah. there's, there's a lot of different areas. So I, just fascinating background. Um, and I just, it's so funny. I don't know if you heard the episode, but uh, a friend of the podcast, and it was another founder was on, his name is, is Peck Ponpot. I hope I didn't butcher his last name pronunciation. Great guy. He was actually the uh, character in Mortal Kombat that he did all the live action motion. So he did oh. all the kicks, the sweeps, everything. Um, I'm friends. I'm friends with the designer. His name's Ed Boone. Um, okay, cool. And, and uh, if you ever, here's a, here's a piece of trivia for you. Uh, there's a pinball machine um, called Funhouse. And there's this little character yeah. in the middle called Rudy that sort of makes fun of you while you're playing. That's Ed Boone's voice. So he started as a voice in, uh, in, a, in a pinball table, then became um, this guy who's just like a legend now in the industry. Okay, that's that's so wild, because I've, I've played that game before, so I know exactly what you're, that pinball machine. I actually have a pinball mm -hmm. machine downstairs as well. Cool. Um, yeah, I love that. So, okay, cool. So so let's get back. I'll stop geeking out so that uh, you, the listener, get a little more, little more value out of this besides my uh, nerding out on some of this. So, okay, so I love the fact that you stacked like working with different brands, you know, like you referenced a lot of great stories all the way from the, the, the comic, you know, the comic uh, character in, in the UK to, to the matrix. So just starting off, how did you kind of get to that point where you licensed in and started stacking up and attaching to all those brands? Like, how did that happen? Cause like, that's not very common. And so I would love to hear just like how you did that and how you made that a reality. Yeah, there's a lot of people out there with that own the rights to properties and they generally know that the video game industry is an important thing and honestly every industry is if you're doing anything else you know books or whatever it's it's all important um, but the video game industry is something that a lot of them um, didn't really fully understand or have a way in or didn't know how to get it done and so um, i found that that was a great equalizer because i could go into any company, any, any, I've been in all of the, the studios in Hollywood. Michael Jackson invited me to his house. He wanted to play the matrix before anybody else. Um, <laughs> you know, like literally all of these things happen because the game industry is, is culturally so important. And imagine you own the rights to some really cool property, but no one seems to be taking it into the game industry. Wouldn't you be interested in finding a way in? And you get mm -hmm. proactive people like the directors of the matrix are gamers. So therefore they, they really cared about the industry and, and doing something kind of unique and cool. And so that's, that's really what occurred, you know, across the board, it's usually the, the entity that owns the rights 
it, you know, my point is you're not calling someone up and troubling them saying, you know, oh, you know, you know, boy, oh boy, I, I'm going to stand in line with 500 other people here and try to get your thing. In general, um, they're very interested. They just want to, uh, they, they want to do something usually that's, that's innovative or cool. And if you can come to them and present them that, I think just about all the, the licenses in the world are on the table. And so, you know, then you start going, you know, uh, what do I want to do? And I've stood in video game stores and watched kids shop. And you will literally see their hand. It's like magnet. It's like a magnet sucking it. If there, if there's a Stranger Things game, the hand is <laughs> they 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 can't resist putting their hand on the Stranger Thing game. That's just how it is in 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 the real world. So branding is very valuable. Okay. So yeah, I, I agree. And it sounds like you you would you say your ninja scale is like creating video games or what would you say is your, your ninja scale if you had to break it down to like the thing that you'd say you're world class at? Oh, 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 for me, my, my thing is, um, is not knowing when to stop and just, you know, I could walk into any space and I think I could compete in the space. And that's, that's crazy to say, right? How, you know, that's insane. But, um, you know, I, when, when we got into cloud gaming, I built the first server on my dining room table and I drove to LA and pushed it into a rack in a, in a, in a major server farm that I've never, I've never been in one of those big server um, uh, uh, data centers. And, and then um, I went onto Wikipedia and I called the, the top, the biggest internet companies in Wikipedia one by one. Of course, some didn't return my calls, but one, I spoke to a salesperson and I said, you know, how fast is your internet um, reach because we want to do this at incredibly high speed and the guy said to me you know well, what do you mean I go I need a map to see how fast your your data centers are and he goes oh my god if I had that map I could sell so much service and I said to him are you kidding me you're trying to sell like your, your, your service and you can't show me how fast it is um, would you like us to help you make that map and he said will you fly and meet our CEO which I did and I pitched him and he's like you can have all of our data centers for free and and that's wow what is that right i can't plan that but that's that's what i do is i don't see it as a pro like it's hard to explain if you understand that you're helping other people or you're trying to help other people usually they're very receptive and and you can sort of get things done that may sound impossible at the time but when you're building a cloud gaming company and you have one of the largest networks in the world for free um the the advantage that gave us was was incredible um, and that's just going through that process so i i swear whatever industry that that we would push into um i think we'd be we'd be coming at it at a bizarre angle and and um probably bringing some video game mindset to it gamification you know is this fun etc and um i think that that you can you know, you can disrupt just about any space that way. One of the biggest things I always say is, is can you just make it easier? Like Amazon got us down to one click shopping. How did that work out, right? People loved that. They freaking loved it. Do you want to fill in your forms every time? No. Um, and, and you see that when YouTube first launched, you used to have to install video drivers to be able to actually watch video on a computer, um, right? And then along comes YouTube and now it just, video just works. That's, that's really a, um, a thought that I think if I was running a, 
a car company or something like that, I'd be constantly thinking, how can I get all this stupid paperwork? I, I, when I bought a car recently, I'm sitting there just signing all these forms, just going, this is ridiculous, right? Like, what are you doing? This is 2021. Um, and so that's, I think every single industry is ripe for disruption. Uh, so I share your pain because I bought a car what, four or five months ago. Same thing. It was like a five hour event. And I'm like, ridiculous. you don't need to talk to your manager. Like, <laughs> like you could put the financing rate in a calculator. Like, it's not like, it's not like you're, I don't, I don't even know how to describe it. It was one of the well, most frustrating experiences. But that, that whole salesman game that they play is fully documented on the internet now. It was great while it was a secret, like their secret way to squeeze money out of people, but it's not a secret anymore. So, you know, and all the data on the pricing and everything is online. It's just, they're, they're still trying to do things the way they were done 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. That, that we just don't need to do. It's, it, you know, and you're just making it painful. I went to the DMV recently and I thought I was going to be there for a couple of hours. And, um, you know, because that's, that's how they roll. But I, I was sitting there going, well, what am I actually accomplishing here? And I, I ended up going out, you know, they made me wait and then they finally call me up to this guy. And then this guy takes my, my, uh, my paperwork and he, and he walks away to a photocopier. And I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> there's only one photocopier in the DMV. They're standing in line for it, the people who work there. This photocopier was the size of a car. And, uh, and I'm like, who, who, who did they do a deal with? It's probably like IBM or something like that, or Kyocera, one of those companies. But the, 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 this ridiculously large thing and they're standing in line and making me wait, this has to stop. This is... This is frustrating to me. So I think if you put those glasses on, there's very, very few businesses that don't need some help in trying to make life easier for the customers. Yeah, I, I could see that. So, and great points. Like the DMV is just like that. So, so let, let's let's switch gears a little bit. You, the, one of the key areas I wanted to talk to you about was innovation in terms of how you look at things differently. Like, what's your mental model for innovation in terms of like? you had to break it down into like a three or five step process, you know, how would you kind of approach it? And, you know, what's your framework for innovating or solving problems that are, are really big at scale? One way to think of things is, is um, uh, you know, as far as designing, it's a, honestly, it's a bit of a trick from the video game industry is that what makes a good video game is skill, risk and strategy. And mm -hmm. If in, in a lot of ways, those three key things make things feel like, so I should explain more clearly. Skill means that every time I do something, I feel like I'm getting better at it, right? So imagine you were doing Google ads, but every time you did it, you felt you were getting worse at it, right? That's not <laughs> going to work. Um, so you have to feel like you're leveling up in a game. So you, you say plus one, you know, you're getting better at something. You get that feeling that, and so are you offering that in whatever you do? Are you, are, do people feel like they're growing? Um, and that's, that's the skill. The second thing is risk. Things aren't that fun if there's no risk involved. Like if there's no, you know, I'm going to give this a try. I hope this works out. This is a little dangerous, but that actually is incredibly motivating to people. Um, um, cause they're trying in their head to judge the risk. Like how much of a risk is this? Um, but people when you when why does it matter when you take a risk and, and it works out you get such an endorphin hit from it it becomes an addictive loop that that um 
that people just can't stop. And the third thing is strategy. One of the worst trends in the video game industry is games are, they call it on rails, which means that you have no choices. You know, mm -hmm. it feels like you do, like there's a corridor ahead and I'm like, oh, this is great. I'm going down the corridor, but every door is locked because they don't want you going in any of those doors. So that's, that's, there's no strategy. I can't, I'm not coming up with anything. And so in business, you know, can, let's say you're working with brands, um, is, is there something that you can help them where they can, can try different strategies? And when you, this is like, you put these three things in a pot and you mix them together, it makes an incredibly addictive combination. Um, but if you take one of those things out, you'll see people churn. They'll just be bored. They'll just, one of those three, three things is missing, they'll tire. And, uh, and, and, and that's, that to me seems like a pretty good uh, formula. That's great, man. I, like, so have you have you heard of the book The Gap and the Gain at all? No, no it's by Ben that. Hardy and Dan Sullivan. Uh, so great. I mean, Ben Hardy's written quite a few books, and Dan Sullivan is like a he's been coaching entrepreneurs for I think like fifty years. Um, great guy. I haven't met him personally, but basically that whole book is about how to stay motivated by measuring your progress backwards. So mm -hmm. the key thing that you said though is have people feel like they're making progress, yes. right? It doesn't even need to be progress. Just as long as they feel like they're making progress, that's what'll keep them engaged. So here's a, here's a crazy example is if you are climbing a mountain um, and you see your hands in front of you and you do that, just one motion like that, you got closer to the summit and people mm -hmm. can keep going. The minute they're lost and they see the summit getting closer, right? They can keep going. They can. They they have incredible endurance as long as they keep seeing the summit getting closer and closer. They're making it. Whenever, whenever they get lost in fog, that's when people die. Is because now I'm doing this and I don't know what's going on. I don't have any idea if that's working. Is this not working? Was this a good idea? Should I have done that? You you just you're just lost in the fog and people just die. And so. That, that's a very important piece of the metrics is you have to feel you're getting somewhere. And if you do feel like you're getting somewhere, then it's really, uh, it, you'll, you'll be stunned. People will stay up until four in the morning. That's when you start hearing about flow, which is, you know, your brain will literally get into that mode where time stands still because you're, you're feeling the progress. You know you're progressing. But when they get lost, if they start like wandering around and now I don't feel any progress, uh, I've been here before, I've been here before, that's when people start bailing on you um, because yeah, they're like, I'm just going to go to bed. I don't feel like I'm getting anywhere, <laughs> right? <laughs> that's true. It's so true. Yeah. Um, and then you, you touched upon, so the second one was risk, right? So overcoming risk successfully and, and getting that, that dopamine hit. So how would you kind of approach that from a business perspective in terms of designing that in a, a solution or, um, yeah, how, how, would you, how would you kind of approach that? Well, I mean, in any form, like on our platform, um, we want the brands to work with uh, influencers because influencers have an, a bunch, uh, an abundance of attention. So, um, you know, every decision is risk. Um, is this the right influencer? Should I, what, should I, what should I approve? What should I send them? Um, this is all risk because they might not do anything, they, you know, but they may, they may kill it. And so in every way, as you're doing things, there's some risk involved, but the question is, is how big a risk are you taking? And, um, and are you, do you feel 
Like my point is imagine there's no choice. It's binary to, to do this thing. You're going to have to take massive risk. Is that a good move? Like, is that, that's a terrible move, right? So that's not going to work, but um, every individual has a tolerance and that tolerance actually grows based upon, it's like watching people trade Bitcoin is so fun because you know, when it was, when it was just, you know, very cheap, it was very little risk. So why the hell not? But as time's gone on, it's not, it's not cheap anymore. And now the risk is very high. But if you've, if you've been through the process, you trust you in your body. You're like, I believe in Bitcoin. I trust this thing is going to be, mm -hmm. is going to be there for me. And now you take bigger risks as you go. This is just human DNA. You know, this is how we roll. And so, um, there's, there are some other things that matter too, uh, rewards and things like that. But but overall, these are these are just uh, um, key things, and so we do think about them when when we're building our platform um, to try to, you know, make it. I, I just had a call on this today, and we're just talking about where we need more levers because the more levers, the more you're you're in control, and the more levers, the more strategy, and so um, that really really matters. Love that. Awesome. I, I think that's a great breakdown. So, so let's, let's shift gears a little bit. Um, and it sounds like you, it, it's interesting because you went from the video game world, right? Then you started licensing in, then you started licensing out. Now you're, you're working with a lot of influencers basically who leverage their network um, to help brands cross promote, partner with other brands. So, you know, how, how does the influencer game work? Like in terms of working with them, in terms of what they like, what they don't like? Yeah, you know the biggest uh, the biggest surprise to me is how many influencers don't know who they influence. It's the most shocking really? thing. I'm stunned by it, like literally stunned. You do have a list of all your customers that you've influenced over the last five years, and they're like, "No, I send all my clicks to Amazon." What you're only getting a few percent when you could be you can be the retailer, like you can keep the retailer cut. So you should be doing ten times what you're currently earning. And you should have every single customer. Now, why do you need the, to know the customers? Well, because the next brand deal you do, if you can sell electric bikes, like imagine you've sold 100,000 electric bikes, wouldn't you like to be able to say to the next electric bike company, well, I got 100,000 customers that, that, that you know, I've influenced that have bought electric bikes. You want to work with me? It's, it's the value of that resume versus the one that just says, oh, I have a certain amount of followers. There's no comparison. And yet I would say, I, I'm not kidding, I would say less than 1% of the influencers in the world today have worked that out. And, wow. and, and, and who, who has worked it out? All the successful influencers. So everyone, the Kim Kardashians, all these people, of course, understand that. Um, so all the really successful influencers have done it. But you know what really saddens me is they go, you know, oh, we just, my mom just signed a merch deal. And you're like, oh, that's, that's awesome. Uh, and then you go, well, actually, that's not awesome. Do they have, are you sending all your customers to a merch company now? And they're like, yeah, and I get 10%. And you're like, oh my God. Like, again, it's, you know, you've got no customers. You have no idea. And boy, oh boy, are there lots of companies out there happy to take and own and control your customers. Um, so that's the big thing that needs to change. And, um, and secondly, I think as, as they do that, what they really are is tastemakers. And so I've been talking with um, the music industry and I, I think it's quite enlightening because they think of, of their, if you think of all the musicians in the world, the, the big ones, 
they 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 feel like they need merch someone's told them they need merch and so they're like well i guess it'll have my logo on it or some saying or a picture of me and that's their choices and it's like you're not you're not defined by your a piece of merch you are a tastemaker there are people that every picture you're in they're looking at everything in that picture like everything that you're associated with people are interested in if you're holding a phone they're like which phone is that right um you know it's stunning like they're wearing a pair of shorts people will go online if you look at the feed you'll actually see people saying where do those shorts come from or i love that purse how much is that purse what brand is that purse how do i get that purse and and that's because they're tastemakers the, the purse doesn't need their logo on it right and that's the part that these people miss so big time is they're tastemakers they should be curating and when people do that there's a site called curator um mm -hmm. there's an in influencer uh rachel zoe has that one is incredible and and she's got all these major brands wanting to work with her she owns all the customers and so when you see somebody doing it right it's just it's like you know this is this is such a huge opportunity for influencers but they just missed it that's insightful and here's what i would tell you david you, you probably wouldn't be surprised with this but there's a lot of uh basically business organizations like fully fledged corporations they don't know their customers that well either. Yeah. And it's Shocking. crazy. Yeah. No it's, relationship. Think, don't yeah. know. Um, so sorry, that's that's my 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 watch didn't like what it Siri didn't like what I had to say. So um so let's shift gears a little bit because I know we're getting close on time. So to wrap things up, um, you know, I guess like for you, I, I know you just announced you, you got series funding for 20, 20 million, I think it was not too long ago. So congratulations on that. What would you say is your single biggest challenge that you're running into now that you're trying to grow, that you got, you know, you got funding? Would you say that the single biggest challenge that you're running into now? I think the hardest thing um, that we faced was, was recruitment. Um, finding really, really great people in every mm -hmm. single category is kind of hard. And in this market, it's, it's, harder than I've seen it before. And so what we did to solve this is we, um, uh, we decided to stay remote. And by staying remote, that meant that opened the whole country up to recruitment. And so, you know, now when we see somebody in, in from Amazon is in Boston, and we want that person, then we will we'll just recruit them. Um, and, you know, we have people in nine states now, and that will just keep growing. So it's, it's, I think that's an important, that worked well at our last company too. So imagine we have to do absolutely bleeding edge. I ended up with 40 patents in, in cloud gaming. To do really bleeding wow. edge stuff, you have to find the experts. And so one of the tricks to that is if you find, a, say for video compression, you need one of the best people in the world. If you look at the open source libraries that are out there, um, there's usually someone who's like the main contributor to that open source library. They are an absolute Jedi because they're managing all these other people too. Um, and they're controlling this, this uh, technology. And so you can, you can reach out to that individual and there's your most important person in that space that you could easily hire. Uh, well, maybe not easily, but you could hire. And so that's, uh, it, it's just thinking a little bit differently about how to find the talent and then bring them into your company. And if you can get, at the end of the day, a company's defined by the team. To be clear, it's not me that's that's making all this possible. It's our team, um, and it's it's trying to find all those, uh, you know, diamonds in the rough that are out there. They're hard hard to find, but they're they're definitely there. 
um, then you then your team starts doing something that people haven't seen before. I love that, man. That's that's good. You had the problem and the solution right there in terms of how you handled it. Um, okay, one more question, and then we'll we'll wrap things up. And I'd love for you to share, you know, how people can get in touch with you. But before that, what would you say is your number one single best strategy for growing revenue? I think um, the the revenue thing is a little bit different for me because I actually come from the headspace of I want to raise the value of the company as much as possible. And if you charge, this is something Intel told me, uh, Intel, the investment group, was if you charge, we can judge your value. If you don't charge, it, it, your value just becomes in you know any number that, that that a large company is willing to pay, and their tolerance is generally very high to to you know in the billions of dollars. So um, only charge if you have to, because the day you do, you're gonna you're gonna that's gonna set your pricing, and it is it's a fair point, right? And and so you can the, what I've realized over time is there's sort of two graphs. One is success. If you're having huge success, forget about the money because everyone knows the money will follow. Um, if you're not, like this is actually really hard to do and it's a real grind, then then you need to show money. Then you need to say, no, 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 but there's a lot of money here. And, it, and as this increases, look at the money. So the, it, it's, you know, I, I'm not your typical person to talk to about this because my last company was nearly $400 million and we hadn't really started charging. Um, you know, we, we, we calculated what it could be worth, but we didn't really start charging. One of my employees left after the acquisition and he created Oculus, which sold for billions before they even launched. So you kind of go, well, you know, do you really, do you really want to focus on, you know, what the revenue was this month? Because that, that, that does make sense for a lot of industries, but not if you're at the tip of the spear. So how do you get your company to be doing something that's innovative? So people really just want to see, is it successful? Is this something that, you know, is going to get really big? As an example, Shopify has 2 million stores right now. They're very proud of it. And it's very impressive, it's like 2 million stores. But there's mm -hmm. about 60 million influencers out there that frankly need stores. Now, not all 60 million, but at least 2 million um, need stores. And so you can see the potential, um, you know, and then you go worldwide, it's, it's huge too. So um, I, I guess that's my biggest problem is, is there's just not enough time to go after all the, the possibility space that's out there. And so just, just find anything that you're really into and, and you should be able to unlock it um, and get in there and, and innovate, but try to place yourself as doing something at the bleeding edge of that space. Like Elon Musk didn't get into trying to compete with Toyota to make the same kind of cars as Toyota. That would have been a huge mistake, right? But by going to the bleeding edge of the industry, um, you know, you can see why that works, that, that, that people get excited about. Yeah, I, and I guess, how do you survive that though if you don't have a, a war chest of money? Like, well, not worrying about the money, right? So, well, actually, um, you know, it's funny, if you're at the bleeding edge of something, there's usually people that want to fund that. Um, so, you know, if you present something that they're like, that makes a lot of sense, you'll find people that, that, that are interested in getting behind something like that. Now, I, I mean, I had to start, you know, in the old days without, um, I, you know, I had to knock on investor doors just like everybody else. I've walked up and down Sand Hill Road and tried to pitch, you know, what I'm doing. But if you're doing something innovative, it's actually a lot easier. 
Um, just to be clear, you're not walking in there and just saying, hey, you know, I'm going to start a restaurant. You know, will you fund it? Um, <laughs> that's, that's just going to be a real nightmare. So, um, but if you're in there, like I'm thinking the future is streaming, it's everything streaming, books, movies, music, everything except video games. We want to get video games streaming. They're still listening, right? Mm -hmm. And by yeah. the way, it's you know it's now a hundred billion dollar industry. No, it's a, it's it, it, actually it's almost a two hundred billion dollar industry, and it just keeps growing. And uh, I can't. I think every device will have games on it. And people, if you ask people if they play games, it turns out um, you know there's many more play games than they think they play games. So um, you're going to find the whole family playing games. Uh, there's new consoles like the Intellivision Amico coming out that's going to uh, focus on that. And so. It, the possibility space is huge and, and for us it's all about getting brands to collaborate with each other. Our website by the way is uh, getcaro.com so just get c-a-r-r-o.com but uh, for any brand on Shopify it, it's a con you know you don't have to do anything just, in, just install it come talk to us and, and, uh, and we'll explain um, you know just a different way of thinking about what a store is and what your store could be and what your brand could be because most people today when they build a brand are very limited by the how much money they have and how many products they can afford to, to to go create and so they find themselves in this limited space you don't have to be now um you know by using technology so i'd love to have that conversation with them excellent man and, and so that's where you want them they want to learn more about or connect with you, any other recommendations or, or your company, or that's the best way? Yeah, so the best way would be to, uh, you know, it, it's we're actually in the Shopify app store as well. If they just go there, they can install Cairo. Um, but ultimately, I think the best thing is, to, is to, to talk with us because there's new features and things that we can give them access to. And, I, you know, what we find is brands say, well, actually, our brand um, is is uh, it's known for this, but we actually want to be known for, for, for all these other things. And can we, can we experiment with those with you? Of course you can. Today, let's go. Let's find out. Let's see if your audience is interested in blankets and backyard games and, you know, all these other things that you want your brand to stand for. We can help you do that. Excellent. Well, David, it was awesome having you on the show. Absolutely fascinating company that you're building and just some really excited stuff that you're working on, that you've worked on in the past and that you're working on moving forward. I love your take on innovation with how, how easy and simple you made it sound, um, which one people, which is one of the areas that most people struggle with. So it's a pleasure having you on the show and thanks for being on, man. Uh, thanks for inviting me. Thank you for checking out The Scale Up Show. My mission in life is to help founders and revenue leaders avoid all the pain and suffering in revenue growth so they can flip it and create a life of their own design. So if you enjoyed this show, please like, review, share it on social, and more importantly, just share it with a friend. Share it with someone that you think could learn and benefit from what you heard on today. But the more we get the message out, the more people we could help, the bigger the impact we make, and the bigger the community gets, which helps everybody. So once again, thank you for being a loyal listener. I appreciate you and look forward to seeing you on the next episode.